This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Uh, we welcome you to Bite Into It, uh, where we discuss computing, new technology, uh, connected devices, things that uh, go bump in the night and beep in the night. Um, I'm with you tonight. Uh, my name is Warren Davies, and we're also joined by Joe Eaton. Joe, how are you tonight? Doing well. How are you? Not too bad. A little, a little warm. I'm looking forward to a cool change, and um, I am enjoying our little air conditioner friends that are. I'm looking thoroughly after us. enjoying the air conditioning in here. Um, it is, uh, I understand, a shame that you haven't been getting that uh, all week, but um, it's nice to enjoy it a little bit here. That optician life. <laughs> um, getting yourself oriented uh, anywhere uh, can be a, a tricky thing to do today. Um, there are lots of ways you can go about it, um, and a big selection of services doesn't necessarily mean it's getting easier. Um, this is a frequent challenge for students uh, on campus, getting from uh, class to class, uh, or finding student services and amenities. Uh, Victoria University have looked to solve this with a novel solution called Scout and will be joined by two of the team uh, behind this uh, app shortly. Uh, if you have a lot of connected devices in your home, you've probably given some thought to what happens to all of that data. Um, Joe, do you have sort of any stuff hanging around the house that you wonder about, whether it's watching you or recording what you're up to at all? Not at the moment. Mm, um, keeping it simple. I don't know, maybe my microwave now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have a microwave. No, we, we were talking about this the other day, you're right. Um, there are a, a lot of devices out there in, uh, in just the average home uh, that are, are connected, uh, recording um, the environment, what you're doing, uh, picking up on ambient conversation and, and, and things nearby. So you may have had a, a think about um, what's actually going on with both that data. Uh, is it being stored? Um, is it being kept? Uh, and is it uh, live at the moment and is somebody watching that? Um, this week, the Weeping Angel reports from WikiLeaks um, suggest we probably should be paying pretty close attention uh, to what's happening with our connected devices at home. So we'll have uh, a look at that uh, a little bit later on in the show. But uh, before we do, there's plenty making news uh, locally and uh, around the world. Um, one of the stories that did catch my eye uh, is related to autonomous uh, vehicles. Uh, it's something that we're very interested here on Bite Into It. Um, it's not so much a uh, autonomous future or, or peopleless future, but very much changing how we interact with the, the technology and the environment around us. And one of the movements this week is Intel uh, have purchased Mobileye, which is an Israeli company uh, with uh, a $15.38 billion deal. Um, and... Yeah, Intel will be moving their automotive unit to uh, Israel. Uh, it is interesting in that it's not just the technology um, that comes with the purchase, but uh, it's quite a strategic buy for them in that they uh, bring in some of the relationships with the automakers. Uh, Mobileye has relationships with 27 car manufacturers, uh, including 10 production programs uh, with uh, a bunch of the German cars and uh, a lot of other car manufacturers around the world. So it may seem like a, a fair bit of money, but uh, it's, I guess, a turnkey solution for Intel who uh, want to be up there competing with the um, uh, Googles and the Apples of the world. And um, I guess we kind of, I kind of feel like it's, um, it's been a long time since we've heard news from Apple about, um, about their car that was flagged for 2019 or 2020. Um, yeah, that was in the news quite a bit. 
Mm, last not, year. Yeah, not so much now. No, uh, maybe they're just keeping things quiet. But uh, yeah, it's a big move from Intel. Um, obviously been a, a, a huge player in technology for, for, for um, many years now. And um, yeah, they've declared their hand. Um, they're going to be involved and, and they want to do something about it. So we'll have to uh, follow that closely. Um, one of the other things that we always follow closely is our internet speeds. I was having one of those days at the office, Joe, where I was getting upload speeds of um, around two. Um, it was just terrible. I couldn't um, do anything. Downloads were terrible. Um, so we're always interested in, in what's happening here. There's been a report that uh, Australia continues to fall behind most of the developed world when it comes to home broadband internet speeds. Um, according to the Akamai State of the Internet report, uh, our internet connection speeds are now slower than 50 other nations, including Thailand, Estonia, Bulgaria and Kenya. I guess that at least means we can um, upload the Eurovision Song Contest pretty quickly, but we probably can't <laughs> watch it very quickly here. <laughs> Maybe you actually have to appear Annual in highlight. It. Annual highlight. Uh, it is, uh, I guess, uh, I think uh, a stinging uh, indictment of our position in the world in terms of being a, a smart country and um, really sort of throws the idea of um, the ideas boom um, um, in the wastebasket. If this is the, the internet speed that um, we're expected to, to build upon and to learn through and to um, solve problems with. Um, at the end of 2015, Australia was ranked 48th in the world, uh, and in the last quarter, we're down to 50th. So uh, things are getting worse. Um, despite our average speeds increasing from 9.6 megabits per second to 10.1, we've dropped out of the top 50 completely. Uh, so if you're interested, uh, the top 25 countries for average internet speeds rank from fastest to slowest. Uh, South Korea is number one, uh, Norway is number two, uh, Sweden's number three. Um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of countries in our region, but sadly not Australia. Uh, does that does that irk you? Do you often find yourself just buffering away trying to do something? I it depends on what I'm using a lot of the time. I mm. find, mm. yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I think um, it's something that we'll have to increasingly put pressure on um, uh, federal and and uh, local leadership to to do better with. Um, one of the areas where there has not been a lot of leadership, but surprise leadership from um, surprise quarters, is the energy sector. Yeah, uh, more, more utility news. Um, I suppose it wouldn't be bite into it lately without Elon Musk and Tesla coming mm. up in our news. Mm. Um, so Tesla have offered on Twitter to fix South Australia's troublesome power grid with 100 megawatt hours of battery storage in 100 days or it'd be free. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if that means that the power wall is not not doing so well. He's got a bunch of surplus stock sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Mike Cannon-Brooks, who um, is from Australian software company Atlassian, um, he publicly appealed to Elon Musk on Twitter and said, are you serious? Um, give us mate, sorry, mates rates and we'll make this happen. So since then it's been all on. Um, many have suggested that an Australian company should be manufacturing the storage instead of Tesla. Apparently Turnbull and, and Musk have been in discussions and Adelaide Zen Energy have said they'll do it for $100 million before next summer, which is a lot further than 100 days away. Um, and a couple of other local companies have also expressed interest. So Mike Cannon-Brooks has uh, come back and said that he's had so many offers of financing that, that, that they could create 10 of the originally proposed 100 megawatt hour battery farms. So I guess we'll be watching to see what happens. 
Yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I think anyone that jumps in and says we can do things better or faster or, or just break a, a deadlock. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting in that um, one of the um, strange side conversations around South Australian power is that it's their own renewable targets that have caused them problems, but it's a much more complex machine, the, the national energy market. And uh, I think the the Labor um, leader over there has um, proposed some fairly conservative and at the same time modern solutions to it. So they're trying to do something around gas and um, basically balance out um, their reliability, the reliance on on renewables. But um, it's the way to go. I, I think investing in um, clean power is, is really really important. And there may be some some speed bumps along the way, but um, it kind of plays into the hands of um, of the traditional energy producers um if we have problems and then we kind of go away and run and hide and kind of go back to the old methods and and so forth so um yeah i'd like to see a great solution in in south australia i think that's really important interesting um another thing that's happened is one of our um one of the mainstays of the internet and security uh capture there's been some news there yeah, my um, favourite divination tool, Capture. Um, I always like to look at my Capture requests and use them as a as a guide. Um, apparently, Google have um, said that it's on, on the way out, and mm. they are going to be using uh, browser behaviour to determine whether or not you are a robot when you sign up for things in the future. Now. Mm, it does seem a, a, a good modern update to how we have been doing that. Captures, um, I actually, I have quite a lot of trouble with them from time to time and I do wonder for, um, um, in terms of access and so forth, it's not a great standard for um, vision impaired and, uh, yeah, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which they've tried to work around, but uh, I'd say probably not very successfully. I've, um, I li- I've liked the more recent um, Tick Here If You're Not a Robot yeah. version of it. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think uh, any any kind of um, standard plugin or, or update to the most common um, browsers makes a lot of sense. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm a big user of Chrome and, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss Capture. It's kind of, um, I don't know, it's like the end of like, you know, when you leave Hotmail or something like that, it's kind of the end of an era, but um, for the best, I think, really. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, Another thing that did catch our eye, uh, Tim Berners-Lee, uh, whenever he has uh, something to say, it's always worth um, paying attention. Um, recently, it was the 20th, 28th anniversary of uh, Tim's paper proposing the World Wide Web, uh, and he did warn of some of the things that uh, are under threat uh, in the ecosystem that he's been uh, such a champion for. Um, broadly speaking, uh, his concerns were uh, we've lost control of our personal data. Uh, so he was a big champion for um, uh, protecting what you what you put in and making sure that it's properly stored and, and managed and, and so forth. Um, he's got a concern that the current business model f- for many websites uh, offering free content in exchange for personal data um, is um, tilts the balance uh, out of our favour and uh, in favour of um, corporations and business. Um, so many of us agree to this uh, either without even knowing it or without thinking too deeply about whether it's um, a, a good deal, uh, as it were. Um, also the fact that our data is held in proprietary silos and there's very little policing and um, uh, I guess standardised control over how people get into it, um, how it's managed, um, how it's disposed of and, and so forth. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, 
one of the things that has come up um, out of the uh, recent US election and uh, in recent times, um, including the, the popular term fake news, it's too easy for information to be spread, misinformation to be spread on the web which is kind of the reverse side if it's easy to spread good information on the web as well. So um, I think some of the um, calls for um, verification of um, sources and better validation of where things come from make a lot of sense. Um, I don't know. I think it's probably a matter of we need to be better consumers of content and information. I was, yeah, I was just going to say matter of also teaching information literacy. Absolutely. In all levels of education, I guess. I think that's probably the, the easiest thing to do. Yeah. And then um, it's also putting pressure back on um, uh, places like uh, some of the social media sites where there has been a problem with um, uh, unattributed reporting and uh, what's become known as fake news and so forth. Uh, so putting pressure on them. So as users of these services, we should be asking them to police them and, and to, um, um, I guess, make a more rigorous product. Um, it's been good to see a lot of uh, news outlets removing those um, horrible footers of dodgy news links lately. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's actually, I, I feel like the internet's responding quite well to that. I mean, they can always do more, but um, I think the initial response um, uh, around fake news and reporting and so forth in, in the past um, five months or so, um, four months, has, has been really good. Uh, and the other uh, concern that um, uh, Sir Tim had was political advertising online needs transparency and understanding. Um, it's become fairly sophisticated, which is true. Um, we all understand that um, data and targeting is, uh, has become a big part of um, uh, winning an election and um, growing support in between elections and, and so forth. Uh, and the fact that most people get their information from just a few platforms um, and the increasing sophistication of the algorithms um, which serve these things up, um, things that have been reported such as the uh, inherent racism in platforms like Google and um, Airbnb, uh, for example, um, we need to be doing more to, um, I, I guess, attend to them and sort of constant gardening rather than um, closing things down or radical overhauls. We need to be constantly working at these things one of the great calls to action at Webstock, where I was at um, in New Zealand last month, was uh, around being respons uh, taking responsibility for where you work, what you work on, and how what you work on is being used. And um, I, th I think that's certainly in line with what um, Berners-Lee is saying. That's a really nice message. Yeah. And it was kind of an overwhelming message from so many of the speakers. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, if you've ever been wandering around campus somewhere, uh, either as a student or just turning up for some music or uh, getting some lessons on the weekend or something, you know they can be pretty big places and pretty hard to find your way around. Uh, one of the uh, Victorian universities, Victoria University, uh, have addressed this um, with a new app uh, called Scout, which is a, a VR app um, designed to help students interact with their campus uh, and make it a more physical experience, I guess. Uh, we're now joined by two of the team behind that, uh, Lindsay and Katie. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Have you ever found it hard to get around campus, either in your own student days or even just working at, at VU, I guess we might call it? Absolutely. I've got a terrible sense of direction and I can say every uni that I've ever been to, I've got lost on it, including Victoria University. What about I'm yourself, still Katie? always lost. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one of the good things is it kind of doesn't matter if you get lost these days because theoretically there's a bunch of ways to, you know, find your way way clear. Yeah. Is, 
has there been things that you've relied on traditionally to get around? I, I actually do miss the fact that we, we used to have a Melway and driving around there'd be a Melway in your car and you'd have to kind of plan a route before you went somewhere. Um, it's a bit of a shame that we don't have that anymore. But mm. what do you guys tend to rely on for getting around in, in your normal lives? Yeah, so Google Maps is an obvious one. Um, but equally, um, across most universities, there's a thing called Lost on Campus. Uh, and they do a reasonable job of mapping out campuses. And if you want to get to a room, you can find that room. Mm. Um, I guess what they what they don't do is something really specific to the identity of each university. It's just mm. a, you know, um, organize, a company that has decided to map all universities. So they map those universities pretty well from a, like a room building perspective, but mm. maybe not thinking about what are some um, some key things that that university might want to identify or mm. show to students that they know students don't know about. Mm. What did you find was the most common thing students wanted to know that wasn't on universal services like that one? Katie? What did we think we needed to use to? Oh, what what were students? What what are students always asking for on campus? That's particular to a campus, like um, places to get music or food. Food in particular. Facilities, services. um, What special things does this university or this campus have that others don't? For example, um, a lot of universities have different campuses where there's different services and facilities. Uh, VU, for example, at the city campus has an osteopathy clinic and a hairdressing clinic. Well, not a clinic, but mm. a hairdressing salon, um, a beauty salon. But then at the Footscray Park campus, where we're based, um, there's a aquatic centre and a full gym. So there's different campuses and you want to know what services are at which campus. Which campus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's the same is true for the general area of, um, of Footscray. The Victoria Uni campus of uh, Footscray is a fair way from um, the station mm. and a lot of students just walk from the station to the campus and then back again, mm. you know, almost on a straight path and are not aware of how cool Footscray is, how much stuff there is to see. So that's another thing that I guess we've tried to, to build into it to make students aware of that it's actually worth hanging around Footscray as well as just the mm. campus. Mm. So is the, going back to the start, what, what's the process that you went through for understanding what students needed, what the university wanted to share with them and what even, I guess that's a great example, what Footscray had to offer them? Where, where did you start? Yeah, so I guess if we, if we go back a step and think about um, what's happening in the university world in, in this regard. So all the universities are looking at different ways that they can engage their students. Um, and it can obviously range from how they, how they teach their students to what's on campus to the, to the technology side of things. Um, but what, um, what they haven't been able to, to do, I guess, and, and what we, we feel our, our point of difference is, is to say, we're going to actually put this in the hands of students. Um, so we're, like all universities, we're doing a lot of these things, but this was an opportunity just to say to um, some students, if you build an app to engage students, what, what would you put in it? Um, and then, yeah, I guess that's where it, it kind of it, it began. Um, it's what would happen if we did that? And then, Katie, what did you produce? <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm a student. I just graduated at Victoria University and basically it was a really cool process. Essentially the university just um, said we want to come up with something new, something exciting. We want it to be led by students and designed by students, for students. And, the you know, the core um, purposes of it 
will be to enhance student experiences and activate places and uh, engage. So engage students with each other, with teachers, with what they're studying, and it was pretty open-ended. That, yeah, that was basically... And maybe just to cut in there just, just quickly, so that's another thing that um, universities are grappling with. How do, we, how do we actually keep bringing students to, to campus? Um, the, the reality is that, that students are finding it more and more difficult to, um, to, get, to get to campus, either through um, because they don't have time or because it's just difficult to motivate yourself you know, in a busy life when you've got so many other things to do. Mm. Um, so I, I guess that's, an, that's another aspect to it, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like I should just tell you about the app. Is that yeah, a good idea? <laughs> um, yeah, so basically VU Scout, it's a totally new app. We looked at every app we could find, like, globally and locally for students and we couldn't find anything like what we were thinking so it's built around uh, check-ins and if you download VU Scout and you log in with your VU account uh, you can essentially check in on campus as well as check in to class and when you check in it unlocks different location-based features so we have like a world first augmented reality sticker graffiti wall so if you come on to Footscray Park campus and you check in a pop-up comes up and says hey you're at Footscray Park campus did you know the library's open 24 hours today and the pool is three dollars if you want to check it out also like you can click here and you can activate this game and we've got these like billboards up and if you you know open the in-app location-based game uh, you can use this like AR graffiti wall and you can like drop and drag stickers but it's real time and collaborative so I'm standing there and I'm decorating like the whole side of a campus building and someone else is standing next to me and they're also decorating it and I can see what they've created and I can add to it so it's like multiplayer mode um, like live art it's kind of cool yeah and we also have another game that's like so VU is the, like, premier partner with the Western Bulldogs because, you know, we're in the West. Bulldogs fan over here. Yeah. <laughs> so we've made this game that's, like, based off Tamagotchi and, like, Neko Atsumi, basically. But um, students get given, like, a bulldog puppy pet and you get to take care of it and, like, you can feed it, you can give it food, take it for a bath, you can dress it up, you can collect clothes, da-da-da, and you can, like, take it for a run on the wooden oval. Does Chim and Meow feature anywhere <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but um, you can only take care of your dog on campus. So you need to come to school <laughs> or you won't, like, your dog your won't... your dog will die. Yeah, your dog will die. <laughs> like, like, it won't die, but it basically it actually literally gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller every week that you don't come until it's like... I don't know how to say this in um, only talking, like less than half a centimetre by half a centimetre on the screen. It just gets... Yeah, it gets really small. Um, But, yeah, and so you can watch your dog grow and, and like, dress him up and whatever. So we've got these, like, yeah, cool location-based games and they're unlockable at different spots on campuses and that's just one feature. I don't know, like, I can keep telling you other cool stuff if you want. I'm interested in what you had to say earlier about uh, involving the students and, and getting them hands-on, and even yourself, Katie. Um, yeah. 
when VU opened it up and said, what would you like, uh, aside from some of the engagement stuff, which is obviously really attractive to the uni as well, mm-hmm. what were some of the more functional things that you needed? Like, we can't find this or this is a real problem that we have currently. And Yep. So um, a big suggestion from, like, student cohort was uh, this thing that we ended up making, which was the interactive map. So most students that we spoke to and we did, like, a... It wasn't market research, but like a market research thing where we a like focus group. Focus, thank you, focus group. Um, they didn't know Footscray, and they would say like, "Oh, sometimes I don't want to come because I have to come all this way." Even the ones that live in the west would say, "I have to catch a bus for an hour, and I come here, and then I have to go straight back home on the bus." And it's, I just feel like I don't know this area, and it's it's weird for me. And we were like, "Oh, interesting." Because, you know, there's a savers here, right? Like, there's heaps of cool stuff. Like, that was that was a big thing for us and mm. realising that we could make... Um, yeah, we basically made this, like, cool interactive map um, that looks like a video game interface and you can uh, tap it and unlock information and feature... Not features, like, unlock information about what's there like local yeah, businesses the river lots of students don't know that our campus is right on Maribyrnong River Footscray Community Arts Centre High Point local like restaurants and shops um. yeah and the other aspect to, to that is um, all of the kind of engagement that Katie was mentioning with the app if, if you come to campus is it, I think it's four times um, and do that then you, you kind of can potentially win a prize from one of those local businesses oh, so cool. the idea is that that encourages you then to at least try those those places that people otherwise didn't know about yeah and so you, you collect points prizes and trophies by um, using the app it's kind of it's basically like a crazy gamification situation mm. but um, yeah so every check-in you make uh, moves you closer to a goal and it resets after four. So once you hit four, you you win something. So it could be um, a sticker for your augmented reality collection. It could be uh, on-campus coffee. Um, we've got lots of like fun, small stuff, like USB sticks and stuff. We also have like major prizes as well. We have a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> um, are you finding that people are getting quite competitive about it? I mean, as soon as you put a challenge out there, someone's, yeah. someone's going to want to clock it as soon as possible. Yeah, um, so we've done heaps of stuff to make sure that people aren't able to game it. So, for example, no matter how many times you check in in one day, it only counts as one check-in. Um, so you can, you'd can you have to come to campus four times in one week mm. for it to count as four times. Like you can't mm-hmm. just click it a million sure. times and like trick it. But the competitiveness, we actually wanted it to be competitive. And when you open the app the first time, you <laughs> take a quiz, kind of like the Harry Potter sorting hat quiz. And it's mm. turned out to be one of our like most popular things that everybody loves. And you get sorted into these like house teams and the house teams, we've got a leaderboard and the house teams compete against each other. Mm. And the end of semester, there's the winning house team it, where there's like a, we're going to have this like on campus kind of like a block party and it's involving like the pool and DJs and stuff. So yeah, like the, at the, so it's 10 points for a check-in. 10 points and the leaderboards right now are in like the 3000s like over 3000 like yeah like and we haven't even like publicly launched Mm. to all the students yet like we've just done like a few soft launches Mm. the uni's like launching it properly this week but it's just like spreading because everyone's like cool and like playing games and stuff 
Uh, and do you have a particular goal that you're trying to do? Is it? Um, I mean, it's great to have those engagement figures and the, the scoreboards and so forth. Yeah. What, what does success look like for the for the app? Do you think? Yeah, good good question. Success. It, Yes, look, it is partly about um, whether or not we can reach certain targets of, of check-ins mm. and, so, and so forth. But it's also to do with student feedback. How, how do mm. they how do they find the app? Do they do they actually enjoy it? Mm. Um, but also, I think it's it's it shows like this. Um, I guess one of the things, like I said, all all, all universities have um, have um, what, what's the word um, st- strategic. Uh, what a plans strategic plans thank you <laughs> See, I can't even remember it it's That's that it's, it's that boring <laughs> they've, they've got strategic plans right and they're they're not really something that you can kind of go out to people and talk about it and say oh look at this great strategic plan that mm. we've got with our strategic goals which are mm. remarkably similar to other universities sure. like d- don't get me wrong they're great they're very important but something like this gives us the opportunity to say hey look we're actually out here doing something different v- VU I can't imagine another organisation doing this saying, um, we want to build a, um, a student engagement app and we're giving it to, to students. Yeah. So I, for us, really, this this feedback um, that we get also from outside and you know people's interest, that's a big metric for us. Mm. So if you want to uh, use it, uh, is that something that you can do, whether you're a student or even if you're just a Footscray resident or if you travel through Footscray, what, what can people do this week? You can download it, but mm. <laughs> um, a lot of the features are only available if you have a VU account. So you need to be like a staff or student of VU. You can certainly download it, um, but you you might not be able... You can use the interactive map and you'd be able to check things out that are in mm. Footscray. Also, we've built that so that it can like change every week so that we can highlight and feature different um, parts of the community. Or for example, if there's a community festival or event, we can just it's all in our like server so we can like just update that easily without going through the app store every time um but a lot of it is i mean we really built it for students like we're really thinking about um students and yeah the the western university vibe basically yeah so i would say at at the least you probably want to be in footscray you can browse around the app but um Mm. a lot of the the check-ins and stuff it'll say you're too far away from the, the campus well, we might uh, see if we can find some students, um, even if you <laughs> want to send them back in uh, at some point during the year and, and give us an update on who won, how the block party went. Oh, my God, totally. That would yes. be great. Um, congrats, guys. It looks like a great idea. And, um, yeah, can't wait to see how it goes. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. You're listening to Bite Into It on Triple R uh, this week with Warren and Joe, where we're going to talk a little bit about stuff that we have at home that uh, may be uh, selling us short and reporting back on what we're doing, what we're listening to, the conversations that we're having. Uh, there was an interesting uh, announcement this week uh, through WikiLeaks. Um, documents that the CIA uh, have um, suggest that they do have access to Samsung smart TVs uh, and are able to control some of the features of the device and to record conversations within range of the television. Uh, it's not unusual that um, uh, our, device, our devices are, are at risk um, from third parties um, that we either know about or, or have to uh, wonder about. Um, but this is just a, a very timely reminder that we should be thinking about what we bring into our homes or what we use um, in our private spaces, wherever they may be. And um, are we getting um, enough utility out of them in um, contrast to the, the risk that it puts us at, uh, I guess? Uh, so, interestingly, Samsung, uh, Joe, make around a third of the connected TVs um, around the world. So, there are a lot of them out there. 
Um, how does how does this strike you immediately when you hear things about um, our devices are, are easy to tap into and easy for people to listen in on? Does that? I first remember hearing something about this a couple of years ago, um, and I was surprised that it had never occurred to me that it was a possibility. Mm. And and you're right, you, you don't really think about these things that you bring into your home that aren't sort of devices in your hand like a phone or a mm. laptop. Yeah, when you're and actively using things like a laptop and a phone, you can you can think about that. Where's this going? What's yeah. this doing? You feel you feel connected to other people and to the to the web. But um, when it's a fridge that just orders you butter or something like that because it can, you don't worry about discussing butter in front of the fridge and is it going to be embarrassed or offended at my brand choices or <laughs> or something like that? Um, are we secretly not using butter in favour of olive oil or, or something? But, are um, your eggs free range? Are your eggs free range? <laughs> Uh, so apparently, um, according to the uh, the Weeping Angel um, um, situation, as it's become known, um, that's a do- that's totally a Doctor Who reference. I've only recently become aware of this. What what is the Doctor Who? So, reference in my opinion, one of the best ever Doctor Who episodes, Blink, has these characters called the Weeping Angels. That if mm. you uh, if they appear in front of you and you stop looking at them at blink or blink and they touch you, you get sent, they create some kind of time thing. You get sent right. back in time and yeah. A scary episode all around? Quite scary. Quite scary. Yeah. Yeah, I think it adds uh, certainly uh, an element of drama um, to this um, security breach. Um, so apparently um, what uh, is in discussion at the moment, hasn't been confirmed by the CIA, is that um, they've able to been able to generate a fake off mode to make the television appear inactive uh, and to record conversations. Uh, only Samsung smart TVs from 2012 and 2013 that run the older double one 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 one two and double one one six versions of the company's firmware uh, are affected, uh, according to the company. Uh, so, 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 is this something that's easily solved by a firmware upgrade if you own one of these TVs? Yeah, uh, that is the suggestion on what you can do at this point. You can um, either update that or you can also um, adjust the settings and deactivate the voice control mode uh, in your TV as well. So you can just go in via settings and and navigate through to that and um, control that. It's interesting in that uh, it seems to be the worst case scenario that's being reported here, uh, but uh, according to some uh, industry experts, um, the average person um, uh, with no reason to, to consider themselves um, to be worthy of surveillance or, or conversations worth hearing shouldn't be worried. Um, it's been re- There's been reports that um, the only way they were able to activate that was with a USB uh, device connected to the TV, which would then help to activate the voice recognition and actually to start recording conversations. So we probably need to follow this a little bit longer to figure out whether it is devices that have been targeted that can be activated by organisations like the CIA or whether it's all smart TVs. It's still um, a little bit unclear as to what what the case is. Sounds like a spy movie where someone gets lowered into the room and plugs USB into the TV and then takes off again and then... Gets pulled back up. Yeah. It is interesting. There's um, uh, a few other cases that um, we thought um, might be worth talking about as well. Um, there's a, um, a murder case, um, I guess a test case for um, IoT devices um, being involved in crimes and uh, things that agencies like the CIA or FBI or um, ASIO might be involved in. Um, a man's uh, Amazon Echo um, in the US um, has been um, subpoenaed um, by a local police authority and um, 
Amazon were requested to hand over the device um, as part of a, a crime investigation into a murder um, involving uh, a fellow by the name of James Bates, which immediately got me interested. Um, anything with that name, um, there's bound to be something um, worth looking into. Um, according to uh, the Washington Post, um, which does have a, a obviously a hilarious connection to Amazon, um, the um, device has been subpoenaed um, because... It does actually record uh, part of what um, happens at uh, the scene um, prior to the activation word. So um, the activation word for uh, a lot of Amazon Echoes um, is Amazon, um, but also there is another word, uh, Alexa, I think, which activates the device. Uh, Amazon has actually um, confirmed that not only does it record uh, everything that happens after the uh, activation word, but the split second before it's activated and the way it actually works is it's constantly listening, but it only records after you activate it. Uh, so, and do they do they keep those recordings locally on the device, or do they get stored on Amazon's server? They store it on a server, right? And you can access it. So, um, it is um, not uh, not necessarily as sinister as it may sound. One of the features of the devices is if you ask for weather on a certain date or if you want to store something like a note or something like that, you can and you can right. say, um, you know, uh, Amazon, uh, when did I last buy tuna or something like that and it can um, retrieve that. Um, so I guess there's a few things here. There's um, do we need to know um, more detail around what's being recorded and from when and where it's being stored and how? Um, those are all valid questions for, for us to push back on to, to Amazon. Um, but also we need to consider uh, if we have these devices in our homes and we are um, doing things, um, whatever it may be. The, the interesting thing was in this um, in this particular uh, murder investigation, um, the um, accused has um, volunteered the device and he's handed it over to authorities um, for them to in investigate it. Um, and it might not actually turn out to be the device that um, gets him in trouble. Um, he was actually uh, at home watching a football game with a few friends and a couple of friends said, can we stay over? We've been drinking and what have you. He went to bed and then the police have found somebody in the spa the next day outside. Uh, and they've questioned the owner of the home who said, oh, I, I was asleep, I'm not really sure what happened. But then the Amazon hasn't necessarily dubbed him in. There was actually a water meter um, on the property and they've checked all of the devices and they looked at the water usage and they hadn't actually used much, even when they were watching the game and you know maybe getting glasses of water or cooking or something. It was around 10 gallons a minute. And then between 2 a.m. and 3 a.m., they used over 300 gallons in a short space of time. And at that the site, sounds pretty incriminating to me. At the site, um, there had been um, signs of hosing of the patio and the surrounding area and so forth. So interesting. All your little um, buddies out there that are helping you live your life can also um, sort of turn against you Yeah. Um, in an inert way. Do you think that uh, Amazon should be providing a, um, a centralised location for you to look at all the information that it keeps on you like how you can go in and see your all your google history all your mm. youtube searches all your search history all of that mm. stuff do you think they should be pr providing that yeah you should be able to log in and, and yeah. review your own thing and control your own data uh, i think um where it makes sense say for example in in the case of uh, america where they agree as a country that they should um store information or if the lawmakers feel that they should um, store information for a year or two or less or more i think that's okay um but beyond that we should be able to edit what's available absolutely um, and and what's stored i think it's a it's a delicate balance it's very easy to say um 
nothing should be stored and it's very easy to say, hey, if we store everything, it's much better and it's better for crime detection and, and so forth. So um, I think, as with many cases, the truth's somewhere in the middle and we need to find that balance and just be smart about it and talk these things through. Um, so that investigation is ongoing, but I do like the idea of uh, a little echo kind of sitting somewhere um, in a courtroom waiting for its <laughs> day in the stand to reveal its secrets. Was there an argument about the football game? Was there not? Did somebody not bring the right chips? But you have to say Alexa every time. You have to say Alexa every time. We have just a few minutes left, but there's a couple of things that we did want to point out uh, that caught our eye. Uh, if you've ever thought about being on the moon uh, and how you would keep your footing, uh, MIT have also been doing that. Uh, and they've been looking at boots to help keep astronauts on their feet, uh, which is uh, a great idea. Um, they've called them haptic boots. Um, so the solution uh, to the boots was built with uh, range-finding sensors that use haptic feedback or vibrations to tell users how close they are to unseen, unseen moon rock or antenna. Uh, so as you get closer to a, a big rock, you start to sort of feel that in your toes. Um, and if something was coming up behind you, you'd start to get a little tickle in your heel as well. Um, I'm just thinking that it'd actually be really useful uh, on a weekend as you kind of head towards the tram stop or train station. Sometimes you just don't want to know what you're standing on, though. I very nearly stood on a dead rat today. Ah, I wonder if haptic boots would have helped you with that. Probably not. Probably not. Um, one thing that the boots won't help you with is what to do with your money uh, if you're doing well in music. Um, there's been some research done, just um, a quick little study on... Yes, yeah, so um, on the heels of uh, Jay-Z announcing his new venture capital company, um, Arrive, TechCrunch decided to uh, crunch the numbers and um, they have done a little investigation on how music moguls spend their money and they found that uh, hip-hop stars tend to invest and rock stars tend to party. Uh, they've, n they've noted a few exceptions, but um, yeah, it turns out that That's rappers, the rappers invest. Interesting. Uh, they've got um, a whole bunch of people in here, Justin Bieber, Justin Timberlake, Gaga, Snoop Dogg, uh, Naz, um, Jay-Z, Dr. Dre. Um, Interesting to, to see um, the difference between the two. I, I wonder if there's a if it signifies a broader mentality about we're just here to enjoy ourselves versus uh, it's a business for us. I mean, Jay-Z famously said, I am a business. Roy Tang, cash rules everything around me. Yeah. Maybe it's just a very different perspective on, uh, on what they're there for. Um, we've really enjoyed the show tonight. Um, it's been fun to um, catch up and, uh, and talk to um, some people about getting around on campus. Um, the VU team uh, were very generous with their time and I'm really curious to see how that rolls out and, and what the feedback is uh, from students. Is that something that you reckon you'd have a go with? Well, I was a student last year, so I absolutely would have used the interactive map part of it and mm. probably anything to do with bulldogs. Hmm. Thanks to Lindsay and Katie for being our guests. Uh, thanks for being uh, a listener. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.